Welcome to the Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast with your host, Cody Jansen. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, brought to you by CST Tires and hosted by me, Cody Jansen. We're hitting the ground running here with a bunch of episodes on the horizon, and tonight's guest is someone I've been super close with in the past. He's a guy that's lived with me, been extremely successful in recent years, and has an incredible story to tell. This interview was super fun, and you're going to enjoy it for sure. But before we dive right in, let's thank our sponsors. Thank you to new show sponsor, Yamaha. We are so proud to be partnered with the winningest manufacturer in the past decade in ATV motocross. We are proud to be Team Blue Crew. Thank you, Yamaha. Check them out today at YamahaOutdoors.com. Thank you to another new sponsor of the show, but longtime sponsor of me personally, Valvoline. For over 150 years, Valvoline has been dedicated to innovating and improving your driving and riding experience. The world's oldest oil company still leads the charge with unrivaled products and lubricants. Thanks to Team Valvoline for coming on board. Thanks to our title sponsor, CST Tires, csttires.com. The Pulse MXR tire is the best tire on the market no matter what the terrain. Join the CST takeover today or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Thank you to SSI Decals. SSI Decals was a key contributor to Team USA's winning efforts and by far the winningest decal brand in ATV motocross and best looking. Their track record speaks for itself, and if you don't use SSI Decals, you will not win. Thanks to those guys. Check them out today at SSIDecals.com. Thanks to DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain, Team USA, Joel Hattrick, and myself all trusted DID's unrivaled chain quality and rivet clip all the way to championship victory this past season. Wherever you go, go with DID. Thanks to Namira Technologies, Namira, Pistons with an Attitude. Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side markets since 2001 with their wide array of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits. Visit your local dealer or online at namira.com. That's N-A-M-U-R-A.com. Also, a big thanks to Bronco ATV and UTV components. Bronco has been the industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. Whether it's electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, suspension parts, or bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source when it comes to whatever you need for whatever you ride. BroncoATV.com Thanks to 4Works Carbon for the continued support. Known for their hoods, seat covers, array of carbon parts, and so much more, 4Works is your one-stop shop to give your ATV a new and improved look with increased function for 2020. New year, new look with 4Works Carbon. Head over to their social media pages or website today. Thanks to 4Works Carbon. Thanks, as always, to Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track. When conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save at checkout, evanscoolant.com. Thanks to DP Brakes, the unquestioned leader in motorsports and power sports braking. Thanks to DP for allowing Joel Hetrick, myself, and so many others to outbreak the competition every time we're on the racetrack. dp-brakes.com. 
Thanks to Blenders Eyewear, whose life and forward motion brand is the perfect fit to partner with our podcast. You won't find better shades for a more attractive price anywhere else. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 to save on the trendiest shades on the market, BlendersEyewear.com. Thanks to Oats Overnight. Life is hard. Make breakfast easy. Simply combine with milk before bed and enjoy your two-go breakfast in the morning. Overnight oatmeal loaded with superfoods, perfect for athletes. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout, oatsovernight.com. Thank you, Mountaineer Brand. If you know me, you know I love my beard. That's why I treat it right with Mountaineer Brand's all-natural washes, oils, balms, and more. Use discount code CODYSFAVE in all caps. That's C-O-D-Y. S-F-A-V, Cody's Fave, at MountaineerBrand.com. From our new partners to our original sponsors, thanks for your support of this podcast and making this dream a reality for both us and our listeners. We pride ourselves in partnering with only the best brands in the industry, better your riding experience and your lifestyle by supporting the sponsors who support us. If you love the show, the best thing you can do is support our partners. And if you're interested in becoming a partner of the show, shoot me a message or email today for more details. Once again, thanks to all of our sponsors. Okay, Evan's Waterless Power Sports Coolant Site Lap segment. And as I mentioned, this guy and I go way back, which is funny to say because he's still so young. But he came from relatively humble beginnings and has fought and clawed his way to the top of the sport in such a short period of time. And now, brought to you by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 X-Ring Chain, we're pleased to welcome 2018 Pro-Am Champion and reigning 2019 AMA ATV Pro Rookie of the Year, Brandon Hogue. What's up, Brandon? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, mate. What's up, Cody? Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, you're probably the person I go back like the farthest with the, to join the show. The first one that I got the most history with. So I um, think we can definitely come up with some with some good conversation here. I think I told you already um, when I kind of mentioned getting you on this thing and um, even earlier, you know, as we're setting this up that I think you got a got a cool story to tell. So uh, yeah, excited to have you on here. And uh so, so how was the, how was the holiday season? You're down in Florida right now, aren't you? Yes. Um, I went down to Florida, um, like the first of November and, uh, I've been here. Um, I just got down here early because I really like the weather and, uh, Nebraska, that's where I'm from, but, uh, it's, it's just cold and stuff. And the training that I do, I need some nice weather every now and then. So, um, I really just try to do it to get a head start on the training, um, like off the bike. And then I ride, um, right now, just, just a couple times a week, like nothing crazy. Um, but yeah, man, it was just, just to get a head start on the training, man. Okay. Yeah. You can't, uh, I mean, you obviously know we're up here in Wisconsin too, and the weather's not that great. So, uh, yeah. if we had a chance to be down there in Florida, that would be, uh, that would be a, a good thing for sure. So, um, we'll get into that. We'll get into more of the current stuff and your training stuff and all of that in a little bit here. But, um, you know, we normally try to take this thing from the top and start from the beginning. So to be able to tell your story, I think we got to, you know, kind of start with, you know, where did, where did you first get into ATV racing or when were you first introduced to ATVs, um, in general? Yeah. Um, so I go back, um, my parents, you know, I'd say all the way from the start, um, when I was like two or three, we had some electric four-wheelers that we, you know, would rip around the yard and stuff. But uh, my cousin actually raced dirt bikes, and 
um, when I was like four, I went to one of his races and was like, yeah, I, I want to try that. And, you know, and at the time, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was sweet. So um, we got a little Eton 50 and uh, went to that that race shortly after I was like four years old. And um, yeah, man, it just it's crazy what happened after that. Like, uh, I, I don't really remember it, but all I know is is I was hooked for sure. And uh, after that, I mean, we we jumped up to the I had a Polaris 90 and um, this is like, I'd say probably six, seven and eight years old. But um, yeah, we would just hit a bunch of local races in Nebraska um, on a Predator 90 and it was stock like it was just just a big pile. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I suck too. Like I was not not good by any means. Um, and I don't, don't really have too many first place trophies from back then. But like I said, I was hooked, and uh, yeah, that was kind of the the start and how I got into it. Okay, yeah, I think we all kind of have those stories of like, you know, back then when you weren't very good, but you still loved it, and so yeah. did. So for people that don't know, you have a twin brother, and yeah. um, and he's a dirt bike guy. So yes. was it? Were you four wheelers from the very start, and he was dirt bikes from the very start, or or how did that work out? So we both started on four wheelers and uh crazy i mean this is crazy but he was way faster than me like uh i don't think i beat him maybe once in the whole two to three years that we raced each other and uh i mean yeah we had a nice rivalry going but um what happened was uh my brother like i think my dad showed up one day with a dirt bike and you know we had the option to try it out and he unloaded it and stuff and um my brother loved it like he just jumped on it and was a big fan and then I jumped on it and um this is crazy too but so the one that I got on it was a CRF 50 and I think it's a CRF 50 if that's what it's called but yeah. it's just a Honda yep. 50 and yep. uh my the one that I got on the throttle stuck and it, you know it was in first gear so it's it's still slow but at the time when I was 6 like I thought it was really fast and uh yeah, the throttle stuck and I tipped it over and <laughs> fell in the grass and was like, I don't want to touch one of these ever again. <laughs> I'm done and, with this uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. And my brother decided to stick with that um, and go that route. And I tried to race once. And I mean, at that point, my brother was already so far ahead in like skills and technique and stuff that I was like, I don't even want to, you know, want to start this. I'd rather just stick with what I'm somewhat better at, you know. Sure. Yeah. So that's so funny to think that, that he was fast, faster than you on a four wheeler back then. I never even, never knew that part of the story. So, yeah. so then you were on a predator 90 and, and did you go right from that to a 300 EX down the road sometime or was there something in between? No. So, um, after the predator 90, I got, uh, actually another Polaris, an outlaw 90, which was like a four stroke. Um, and that was, that was also kind of just the stock junk thing yeah. that I, I thought it was cool at the time, but after that, um, I got an extreme, I don't know if you know what that is. It's I do. A, yeah. Yeah. Extreme 90. Um, I mean, it was fast, like really fast. And I was actually afraid of it because it was so loud and stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I rode that for, I think a year and, um, still had really bad finishes and, you know, and I just, I was having fun with it, but, um, after the extreme, I got a 
Kimco 125 um, four-stroke, which you can race at the time anyway. You could race it in the 90 CVT class. Um, oh, sure, yeah. So, because it was a four-stroke, yeah. So um, that's what we decided to go with, and we had a killer deal on it, picked it up, and um, it was actually a nice nice quad. It had some foxes on it, and that was my first, like, long travel setup. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I went to a couple nationals for the first time, and that was around – I think I was 10 years old, um, and I went to Sunset Ridge, which was my first national race. And at that time, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was it was kind of big at the time, because um, this was when it was it was nice. And um, so I showed up, and we saw the amount of people there, and you know I, I looked at the people I had to race against and how many kids were in the class, and I'm like, oh, we got to go home, like. This I'm not ready for this yet, but no, we, uh, we raced it and I, I don't know what I got. I think not even not top 10. Uh, I didn't finish well, but that's when it kind of opened my eyes to how the sport was at the national level. Um, and then, yeah, I just, that's when I really, I'd say I started to jump the gun and was like, I don't want to, I don't want to finish back there anymore. I want to start doing a little better and showing my parents that like, I think I can, I can do better than this. So, um, the next, the following year, I, uh, I raced the CVT class again. And, um, you know, I was racing like at that time, some of the names aren't there anymore, but like, uh, I raced Grayson Eller and the Ford, uh, Cody Ford and, um, a bunch of guys that I still know now. Um, they didn't know who I was, but I was there and I thought they were, you know, the craft. Like I thought those guys were, were the real deal. And, um, yeah, I never, never beat them. I was always behind them and stuff. And, but it was cool to grow up with them. And, you know, then, uh, after the, the 90 CVTs, um, I jumped up to a Raptor 250. Um, so that was my first time shifting, uh, and everything. And I, and, I think I was 11 when I got that machine. Okay. Um, so at that point, um, yeah, I was starting to have a lot of fun. The shifting was like, to me, it was just night and day. Like the fact that you actually had to, to learn how to shift and use the clutch and just everything about it was, was fascinating to me. And um, that machine still arguably to this day was my favorite machine of all time because I mean, I rode that thing literally, I could not tell you how many hours I put on that just at the the farm at my house and like ripping a little turn track. And then we started to build some jumps, but I put, I just can't believe how many hours and I never, you know, I didn't change the oil. I I didn't know what an air filter was. Like I just literally jumped on it if there was gas in it and, and took off. Yeah. So. That's, that's funny. Cause I have the same memories, like with my blasters and stuff and yeah, you know, I loved those things. So it was like, no talking me out of it at the time that like there was even better quads out there. Like that was, that was my dream quad, you know? So yeah. that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, was- so were you always running the number 26 back then or, or give us um, the- no. my, my first number on the, the Polaris is I think was 48. Okay. And, that was not my pick. Uh, my parents picked that. Like we didn't, we didn't get a pick. Okay. So yeah, I was 48, which I don't, I think it was Jimmy Johnson to be honest with you, but I don't know. If, I don't know what the whole deal with that was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then when we got a little older, 
my my parents let me pick and uh so this story was kind of funny but I, I think i got number 26 from like we were at a, a restaurant playing keno if you know like it's like a, a betting game where you bet on a number okay or like a, a couple numbers but sure yeah um so we would always go out there and i picked number 26 and it was the very last number in this like keno game to hit and that number came up and i'm like no way it's like <laughs> just something about it and then yeah i'm like 26 is my number for life now it's stuck so, that's cool yeah <laughs> yep. that's cool so then um and we talked about this before we went live here but so as we creep up on your national career um, you know, your full-time career and being on 300X and stuff. I, uh, I remember a story from when you were younger and you were at, on the 300X at this point and you had Joel Hetrick replica graphics and it had, it had like the same logos and the whole nine yards. So the same sponsors, whatever. And I remember a particular sponsor getting upset at the time that you were running his logo. And the reason why I bring this up is because ultimately things came full circle because uh, that same sponsor ended up being one of your biggest later on, Jonathan Parrish at uh, Corrosion Specialties. So, um, you know, do you ever like think back on where you were then, where you are now? And like, it's like, it's surreal, you know? Yeah. Like, it's, I, I can't even explain. And, and I do it all the time. I, I go through old pictures and old things I used to say. And like, just the, the people that, you know, even today I posted something on my social media about um, when I would message Joel, like I messaged Joel probably, you know, 20 to 30 times and would just be like, I want this guy to talk to me. So I'm just going to keep bugging him until he does. <laughs> and you know, I would say stuff like you're, you know, you're so fast and I want to be you. And yeah. how do you, how do you do all those whips and stuff? And like, finally, you know, it was kind of cool, but he started to answer me and stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, this, this is the real deal. I'm, I'm talking to Joel Hetrick, but yeah, with the, uh, with the sponsor thing. So, um, I ordered, yeah, Joel Hetrick replica graphics because I wanted to be Joel Hetrick. That's right. Yeah, that was a done deal. I wanted to be Joel, so I wanted everything like him. You know, gear and graphics and just everything. So that's what we did, and um, it had all of his sponsors. Like I had no idea what sponsors he had at the time, but I didn't care. I just wanted it. So right. Yeah, um, we put him on, and we showed up at my first like national where I had had some some more speed than normal. Um, and yeah, so I go out and I actually win. Uh, this was at underground, I believe. Okay. And so corrosion specialties. Now this, this logo was on that bike and yeah. Um, around the track, I heard some talk that he, so I ended up getting protested first off. Um, I remember. after that. Yeah. Win. yeah yep. Because they thought I was illegal. So we got tore down and nope, we were completely legal. But the corrosion logo, um, he, he didn't want that on the bike if I was a cheater, obviously. So there was a little issues with that. Um, and I had no idea who this guy was. Who, right, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I'm like thinking, wow, you know, this is, this is all messed up. Now I got to take all these graphics off. And we ended up doing that. Like my dad's like, no, rip them all off. Um, so 
and now yeah man it it comes to turn out that that same corrosion logo is uh jonathan Parrish, which to this date you know I, I wouldn't have been racing without him um so like shortly after that um he ended up we, we got in contact and um he he found out who i was um just from the races i think and then you guys helped me out as far as um getting my name out there and like really pushing who this this hogue kid was so um at, at that point he reached out to me and we started to talk and it was kind of funny like we we, we kind of laughed the first conversation and he invited me um i think to come down there at that point but he uh at the time i was too young to race a 450 so um at loretta's i turned 16 and i'm like you know what i want to i want to jump up to the the 450s and he was cool enough to bring a bike for me to race so he brought this bike and i met him at loretta's and uh i jumped on it it was a, a hybrid but um i raced the b class and ripped the whole shot and like won the b class and he was like dang you know i I don't know how he thought about me, but I remember like tackling him after the race. Like I jumped on him and I'm like, you don't even understand what you just did. And the, the feelings that I have right now, like you just, you don't get it, man. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> for people that don't know, like you stayed with us for a little bit that summer and you're a little bit underselling. So before all that, the year, the year must've been, that year it was 15 right you got hurt yes 15. you got hurt in 15 so you break your leg and then yep. the next year 2016 is the year you're talking about and you mm -hmm. go undefeated on the 300 and then you move up at loretta's and you're riding a bike you've never ridden and you hop on this hybrid and people are like i remember the chatter was like you know you're not ready for b class blah 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 and you hop into B class, you win the B class at Loretta's. And I remember hanging off the fence that day, cheering like literally the hardest I've ever cheered for anybody ever in my whole life. And uh, I remember being so happy. I felt like I had won, you know? And, yeah. uh, and I remember, I'll never forget that day. And so you have this undefeated season, you move up cause you just turned 16, you cap the season with a win and, uh, in in the b class which was i remember then like that was the the talk of the of the weekend there so um so then the year after that you went directly to like pro sport right in 2017 yeah yep i jumped up to a and pro sport okay so so was that like did that end up being kind of like a learning year or or what um, so real quick i just kind of want to go back like like what you were going yeah through. yeah yeah yeah, of um, course. So in 2015, I just want to say like that was my first um, chance that my parents gave me at a national series. And I just got a 300EX at that point. So we were full blown. Let's go racing. And I did a lot of a lot of stuff like um, watching videos and, and just crazy stuff that people would think was ridiculous at the time. But I was hooked at that point already. And anyway, um, we went out to that the first race in Georgia and I won and that was my very first national win ever. And, um, that's when we were going to go for the whole series. Like, yeah, let's do this thing. And I went to Texas the following race. I won that one. Um, and then I believe 
the next race was um, Ironman. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah, Ironman. And then I went out for the very first lap in practice and crashed and broke my leg and completely ruined that whole year. Um, but I do remember this. So I was in the back of the ambulance driving. You know, these guys are hauling to the hospital. Yep. And I can see my dad and my mom in the truck following me to the hospital. And while I'm back there getting like, you know, I'm all messed up. Like, and I had a compound fracture. So my bone was like sticking out of my skin. Um, yeah. So it was like yeah. crazy, but I called my parents and I'm like, listen, I, I know what's going on right now, but I, I want to race. Like I want to race again. I don't, I don't care what this doctor says. I want to race like this championship's mine. I don't, I don't really care. And, uh, I mean, it ended up not working out that way. I had to have surgery that night, and I was put yeah. out for a little while with um, some stuff. But, yeah, it, it didn't work out. And I just remember, though, bother, bothering my parents, like, I'm going to still race. I don't care. And so 2016, the following, the next year came around, and I was so determined. Like, like I, I didn't care about anything. I would, I would die on the track if I would like a win to me was, was all I cared about. And, um, like that year I ended up doing really well, but, um, I, like it was just crazy that the mindset that I was in. And so, you know, I don't know, everything worked out perfectly and like no DNFs and just, I, I got really lucky, you know, luck was on my side, but I was pretty determined and like, I really wanted to make a name for myself and, um, at that time I didn't have like any support. The only support I got was you guys, um, like Jansen family. And, um, that was, that was huge to me too, because it's like, wow, someone actually believes in me. So it just gave me more fuel to like go out there and just hold it pinned, you know? And, uh, yeah, I won that year. Um, so that's kind of just going back through those. Well, the thing too, before you even transition to 17 though, is I remember, my dad playing middleman a little bit with like the Jonathan thing or whatever. But I mean, everything that you did, like it was your character and your determination. And obviously, I mean, your riding ability might've had something to do with it, but people wanted to help you for, for you, you know, for who you were. So, um, so I think uh, you don't want to undersell it there, but then, yeah. So you killed, I mean, you had a banner year in 2016 in 2017, you moved up to some fast classes and, uh, and, uh, so yeah, talk us through 2017 there. Yeah. So I won that B class race at the end of 2016 when I moved up and that was like, you know what? I don't even want to mess with B class. And like, you, you just, I was so fueled up. I wanted to keep going and going and trying to win. So I wanted to go where the fast guys are and they were going up to a and pro sport and, I didn't, I didn't want to race B class. I wanted to move up right away. I didn't care about age and, and experience. None of that stuff mattered to me. Um, so I, that was the first off season that I really like started to implement training and, and off the bike stuff. But, um, I was really serious at that point that I wanted to prove people that like, you know, I, I didn't care. I wanted to go win. I don't care about age. I don't care about any of that. Let's go, let's go race. So um, I went into that year and like, I had a pretty rough, rough go because um like underground was the first race of that year. And I, like I was ripping, I, I felt like anyway, but um, I had two pretty bad finishes, like fifth, 
like fifth overall and one and uh, like a DNF and the other, I think, but um, just like, you know, rookie stuff and like really wanting to push when I shouldn't have and trying to make passes when I shouldn't have and just the whole experience. But um, yeah, that's when I, you know, that whole year was, was a really big battle for me with being consistent and, and I felt like I had speed, but I did not know how to hold on to it. And all I wanted was wins, wins, wins. And, you know, I wanted to pass people really fast and you just get in a really weird mindset of like, go, go, go. Well, that, that hurt me quite a bit because I ended up on my head a lot um, and just making really bad mistakes. And uh, like I, I had speed. I mean, I, I had a couple really, like a lot of the races, I had the fastest laps that year. And, you know, I, I thought that was cool, but that doesn't matter. Like no one, nobody cares at the end of the day, you know, they care about where you're finishing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost one of those things that you can't really teach, you know, that probably until you kind of go mm -hmm. through it. So like yeah. what you learned that year, it's very similar, you know, maybe some of your determination came from that year where, you know, you were basically set up to win that championship and then you, you get hurt, you know, so you're sitting at home stirring, you know, your mind's racing, whatever, you know, maybe that's where some of your determination came from. And honestly, in 2017, like I remember seeing some of that stuff, but it was all the stuff you learned because in 2018, you know, you didn't look, you didn't look like the same rider anymore, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, in 2018, you were only one year removed from winning a, a youth title and, uh, and you went out and you won the Pro-Am National Championship in your first try. So, um, so tell us about that because that's got to be one of those unforgettable years. Like, you'll never forget that one. Yeah. So, yeah, like the, the very end of 2017, um, the year that I had a lot of mistakes and stuff. So I went to the, the banquet that year. And I went up to the, to the stage where you talk in front of everybody. And I was standing behind guys that I just – you know, nothing against anybody that I was standing up there with, but you don't under, like, I was so frustrated with myself that I, I allowed myself to finish where I did and stuff. And I'm like, you, you know, this is never going to happen again. I need to figure out what my issues are and let's do it. So, um, I started like, I went into that year, um, when I started riding, I went to Florida, um, for the first time. And I, right when I started riding, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to worry about how fast I am at all. All I want to do is make sure like I can put lap after lap about the same second. And I don't care how fast that lap is just consistency, like slow down and focus on hitting a turn and not blowing it and just stuff like that, you know, sure. um, which I did. And at, you know, at that time I, I thought I was like really making good progress because I started to smooth out. I started to understand the bike suspension, you know, what the shocks need to do, what they aren't doing, how I should adjust standing up more. So much technique work like went into that off season alone and, and not much speed work. Just there's a lot of technique. Um, and then, yeah, we started the year off at Daytona that year. Um, and I went out for my heat race and Parker will work a just, completely killed it and I got second in that heat but he beat me by I mean I think 15 seconds or something at Daytona which 
I pulled back to the trailer like, wow, I, I got a lot of work to do, you know. Um, I ended up coming out with a third of Daytona, and then that was a pretty good place um, because Pro-Am only has one throwout. So I knew that we, we got a good shot at this. Let's let's take it race by race and do it. Um, so we went to underground, and that was the first outdoor national, I would say. But um, I went out there, like, motivated to go – go to see how these guys of speed is like on an outdoor track and um the first moto and there was a nice payout for this one too so it was kind of a hyped up race um like the the whole shot was a thousand for pro-am and then it was like 2500 to win um so the first moto i came out second and ended up getting second um so like that was a pretty good first moto finish and I was so hyped up. That was really good to me. And I'm like, yes, you know, confidence was rising. And the second moto, I, and I don't rip whole shots typically. And with a thousand dollars on the line, I, I ripped the whole shot. And like, I held it. I mean, it was unreal. Like I almost crashed. There's a, there's a video of me like standing the quad up. Like I almost crashed, threw it away, but I wanted that thousand bucks. Like that was, that was good to me. And, uh, yeah, I pulled the whole shot and was leading, started to check out. And, like, that was just feelings I'll never forget. But, you know, the first Pro-Am really race where I was pulling away from these guys and uh, smooth, consistent, like, lap after lap. Um, and then I ended up having a mechanical failure, which put me out of that race. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, that race was so big to me because – it gave me the confidence of I can, you know, not only go out there and, and like get in the lead, but pull away from these guys. And, uh, yeah, like the mechanical, whatever, you know, that stuff happens like that's racing, but I was fired up at that point. And, um, the, the following races, like we had several like really good moments and several bad. I think that, happens with anybody in a, a championship like race but um we started uh, at the end of the year like round six um i i already knew i was in a i was in a deficit at that point like i think i had a like 30 point deficit from the chance like from first place in the points and i'm like how did i lose this already and uh we ended up like just going to work man i don't know how else to put it but like I, I remember just work, wanting to work harder than everybody else, and that was off you know, off the bike training and like just every part of my day, I would wake up, eat, sleep, breathe, being better than those guys, and uh, somehow like started to close the gap. And um, Red Bud, I ended up, I needed a win really to get a really good spot going into Loretta's for that title. I won Red Bud, and. I'm like, you know what, this is it. So, um, yeah, Loretta's was, Loretta's was really crazy actually for that title because I should have lost it. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you about because I knew you had been at a deficit. You had, you had put on some really good rides in the middle of the season there, and yeah, you had the lead going into Loretta's, and. Uh, and yeah, I was going to ask you about the pressure of Loretta's because like I could see it in your face earlier that weekend that like it yeah. was playing on you. Yeah. So, I mean, the night before the, the race, like I was up at, I think, 3.30 or some crazy thing in the morning 
outside of Parrish's trailer just pacing, like walking back and forth from his trailer to the, the person parked next to him with like my head down and I had, you know, headphones in. Like I had my old championship jacket on from the 300 days, but I was like, you know, just going crazy. And I've never felt that, that in my whole life. And you have like such a good year of just so much work between the riding and the training and everything coming together that this race right here is what matters. Like Loretta Lynn's and in, in this title is, is everything the whole year. So I took it, took it really serious and uh, it, it hurt me for sure because um, I, I actually crashed in this Sunday morning sight laps and like, it was just already a bad morning and I had just, no, no one was giving me pressure except myself. Like I, just put the pressure on myself and yeah the craziest thing man the first moto i did did what i needed and i ended up i think second or third i think second that moto and all i had to do that the second moto the last moto was um like finish right behind hayden i think and i came out and like i forgot how to ride an atv like i i wasn't cornering i was I was jumping, but I, I could not corner. I could not hold the throttle down on the straightaways. And I felt like anything that I would have tried to push the envelope in, I would have crashed and like threw the whole thing away. So I just took it easy. And I'm watching this race unfold. These guys are pulling away from me. Hayden is doing exactly what he needed to do to beat me. And I remember driving by one lap, like two to go on the pit board, you know, and Tim like my mechanic was like, man, what are you doing? Like what's going on? And I, I actually, this is not a lie. This is 100% truth. I actually like started to, you know, cry on, on the racetrack that I lost. I lost the championship because Hayden, Hayden did what he needed and two to go. I'm rolling around this track, not knowing how to ride and I'm jumping through the 10 commandments. And at this point I'm already, done like i thought the year was over on the inside roller after the 10 commandments there was a bike stalled and i remember looking over just a quick glance and it was 135 on the rear number plate like hayden mickelson and he uh he ended up stalling it on that inside roller but i was like you know i couldn't couldn't believe it and obviously uh with two to go i just like kept doing what I was doing. It wasn't anything spectacular. I didn't ride faster. I just did the same thing and it ended up being enough to give me the, the pro-am championship. Wow. Yeah. That's one of those, uh, that's one of those gut check moments for sure. Like you don't yeah. even know how to explain uh, how it all comes together, but you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times what happens is you're one of the only ones that remembers how it all went down, you know? So you won that championship and that's what the record books say. And obviously you earned it. Cause like I said, in the middle of the season, you had went on a tear at some of those races to, uh, to put yourself in position for Loretta's. So we'll get right back to the show, but now a quick word from our sponsors. And now please stand up and make some noise for our title sponsor, CST tires. CST tires and their Pulse MXR tire have completely overtaken the ATV market. Used by Thomas Brown to clinch a third straight Quad Cross of Nations title, 
by Nick Janusa as he dominated the Montreal Supercross, and myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to a 2019 national championship in the Junior 25 Plus class. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics than the competition. Join the takeover or prepare to be beat by someone who did. CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. Check them out at csttires.com today. Anybody that I've gotten to try them, I've heard nothing but positive things back. We're proud to be Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. Why choose Yamaha? Look no further than Chad Wienan's six championships in the past eight seasons aboard his Yamaha YFZ450R. Not to mention Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing, and their support of this podcast proves it. For the 2020 ATVMX season, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program will offer payout and prize opportunities, including the chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more information, head to YamahaOutdoors.com and follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability, as well as longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, or anywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI decals is a name that is synonymous with ATV racing and synonymous with success. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. After making number plates and decals for riders like Chad Whedon, the company quickly took off. Today, you couldn't imagine ATV Motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker now supports all the top teams at ATV Motocross, as well as GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics, SSI decals. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID Racing Chain and their 520 ATV2 chain. This patented X-ring chain boasts a steel alloy construction for reduced weight, increased strength, and a longer chain life making it the optimal ATV racing chain. Pick up an ATV2 chain today at your local dealer or wherever DID chains are sold. Wherever you go, go with DID. We're pumped to bring on new partner, Namira Technologies. Since 2001, Namira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Namira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Namira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.namira.com. Namira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are also pleased to announce our partnership with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. 
Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard parts source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world, visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. We are also supported in part by Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you never have to worry about harming your engine or having a premature end to your ride due to overheating no matter what the condition. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, snowmobiles and more, use what the pros use. Upgrade to Evans today. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes. DP has been dominating the ATV world for a while now by supporting riders like Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, Baldwin Motorsports, JB Racing, Root River, myself, and more in ATV motocross. In GNCC Racing, they have all of the top 15 XC1 pros using DP, including the likes of Walker Fowler, Jared McClure, Chris Borich, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, and more, not to mention Hunter Hart and the top four XC2 riders. These riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them consistently on the top of the podium. Available at dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or even message me for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP brakes. Forwards Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has goodies that'll make you salivate. I trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality, innovative parts to the market. Check them out today. Now back to the show. Yeah, 2018, you know, Pro-Am champion. Then you move up this past season. That gets us to current here. And, uh... You follow your pro am championship up with rookie of the year. So, talk about your rookie of the year campaign um, in 2019, this past season. Yeah. So, uh, the off season of that pro am championship, um, I had some conversations with like really important people to me and like, um, you know, about what I should do. Should I run the red plate and try to get another pro am title or move up to pro? And it was. I was really stubborn about it. Like it was plain as day to me. I wanted to run pro. I didn't want to run pro am anymore. And so we, we made that decision. Um, and I, I put in like, uh, the, the more, I mean, the off the bike stuff was really big at that point And a, a big part of my life because it, I felt like it got me to where, um, I was at currently. So I took that really serious and, and made sure that I would go into this last year like ready to go and I already knew how previous rookies do in pro like you know you you don't see typical you know like nothing against rookies but you know how it is like it's it's no joke it's a real these guys are are there for a reason and I being stubborn the way I am I wanted to go into pro and just I wanted to win. I did not I did not care if I was racing Joel or Chad or anybody. I did not care. Like when I go line up on a race, 
I, I don't care about who I'm racing against. I'm there to try to win no matter what. So it was stupid to me to make a goal about, oh, I want to get pro rookie of the year. Or, oh, I want to top 10 or, oh, I want to just, you know, see how I finish and work from there. No, no, no. Like I went into that year saying, I had, I mean, I had three goals written down. Like, I mean, I, I just really worked at those, but it was fastest qualifier and a podium in pro. And I wanted to win. I wanted to win a race. Now I didn't get the fastest qualifier or the win, but I podiumed in pro, which yeah, it was, it was, I mean, to me, like that's huge, but I'm just letting you know, like how stubborn I was about this. I was not joking around. I wanted to go win no matter what. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, you made some history because Cody Ford got on the podium at at, at uh, Sunset Ridge. And then the very next race, you get on the podium at Unadilla. And, you know, you have to go back nearly a decade to find the last time a rookie was on the podium when you go back to, you know, when Joel was a rookie and Chase snapped it at that year, too. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I definitely know how stubborn you are and how headstrong you are. But you know, what was different about that day at, at Unadilla? Because it just looked, it just looked different. Like at the beginning of the first moto, I remember you got a really good hole shot and you got freight trained by a couple guys. And then you just stuck right with that pass with that uh, pack. And later in the race, you might've made a pass or two, right? And you probably finished fourth in the first moto. Yeah. So yeah. First moto, I ended up fifth. No fifth. Okay. Um, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like Unadilla, the the story with that, um, in the qualifier. So I think I remember we had some like little bike issues, just kind of like cutting out stuff. But I remember going back to the trailer after the second qualifier and I'm like, this is the slowest I've ever rode at a, at a national. And then Tim, my mechanic comes up into the trailer and he's like, buddy, you qualified like fourth. Or I think I qualified fourth that weekend, but he's like, buddy, you qualified fourth. And I'm like, there is just no way. There's no freaking way. Sure enough. Yeah, I did. And that alone was like, I'm sitting in the trailer, just gaining confidence that I, I legitimately lacked when I went into the trailer. And when I came out of the trailer to go line up to the gate was just, it's just a, a like a light switch, totally different. And then I'm pushing my bike to the to the gate, and I'm noticing that my bike is in front of like, uh, I think it was Thomas or something. But my bike's sitting in front of it. I qualified in front of that guy. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that guy, you know, like, it just the way it's hard to explain. But I'm like, okay, I can I can do this, man. Like, quit worrying. Let's go race. And uh, I had. I was really focused on the whole shot. I lined up right next to Chad and had a really good jump, was really focused, came out third. Um, and that was my best whole shot at that point in the whole year. So it just worked perfectly. And I remember I was behind Thomas for the first like quarter of the lap. And after the, you drop down like this downhill triple into the bull turn, I, I remember saying like, I think we need to go faster and this is, this is just me being crazy, dude. But I went for the pass. Like I saw a pass opportunity. I went for it. I got it. And, um, then I'm right behind, you know, Joel, like there's no one between me and Joel. It's just Joel and me. And this is what I, I dream of. This is what I want to, where I want to be all the time. And 
um, I stayed in second for, I think, three laps. Is one, yeah, three laps until I got passed. So Joel started to pull away, and I was never close enough to see, like, how the heck is this guy pulling away from me? And that really wasn't even on my mind. My mind was like, I just need to go as fast as I can go. And, yeah, I did that. Um, and on lap three, um, Thomas made a, a, a good inside move on me, which I was making a mistake anyway by going outside where I did. I should have been smarter to go inside. But you know what, man? I, I wasn't thinking, and I just took him outside. He got me, and I got a little flustered at that point. Jeffrey tried to show a wheel shortly after and I didn't let that one go but um, like a couple sections later Jeffrey and the same thing I mean I went wide not thinking that these guys would shove it in on me and you know they do that's that's what they're good at so obviously I, I ended up getting passed again and then Chad squeezed by me like right shortly after that and I'm like wow I just went from second to fifth like this is not good, you know, and uh, I held on to fifth. I reeled back into Jeffrey, and, I mean, I stayed right on Jeffrey's grab bar the, the whole rest of the moto. Like, I really tried to make passes at the end, but, man, I I just couldn't find somewhere to, like, get that extra edge, you know. Yeah, that's a tough place or a tough track to pass on to begin with, I feel like. So, um, especially when it's not the beginning of the race and everybody's kind of kind – of, uh, you know, finding their flow and, and whatever. So yeah, then this, then the, the first moto was impressive. Second moto was, was crazy. So take us to the second moto. Yeah. Second moto dude, best day of my whole life. I mean that whole day obviously, but the second moto was just ridiculous for me. Like I will never forget that until I die. But um, yeah, like I remember coming out pretty far back actually I came out like behind a bunch of guys and uh, I started to panic like my old self, but that's because I wanted to get up front just really fast. And I knew what I like I had to do. And I really wasn't thinking about the podium at the time, but I remember like jumping out of gravity cavity, almost, almost wide open. I, I think I let off maybe just like a, a half a second <laughs> and I just jumped to flat, but that's what I was doing. I was ready to like, I need to get to the front right now. And um, I ended up getting into, uh, I think fifth made my way to fourth, I believe. Um, and then, yeah, I think I was in fourth and that's when I saw that Jeffrey had a pretty good gap on me at that point. And, um, I knew like, I knew if, if there was a podium shot, obviously that I had a lot of work to do and, you know, my fitness at that point was, was just phenomenal. Like I was really confident with everything and Tim was I always tell Tim to fire me up on the pit board and stuff, but he was firing me up um, going by the mechanics area. And I started to notice that I was reeling in Jeffrey, like just barely. And I knew that, you know, the last few laps of an, of a pro moto is pretty fatiguing and the way fitness goes. And like the way I was feeling was 110% that moto. Like I was blacked out, literally blacked out to where, I was just zone, like zone. I didn't care about anything and fitness stuff. I just was ready to go. But yeah, I started to catch him and Tim put on the pit board, I think like, you know, podium with like question mark or, or something like that. Um, and I remember just really focusing on where I could pass Jeffrey because 
I was fast enough to catch up to him, but it's, it's hard to, to make the move. And yeah, like I was on his grab bar for, I think a few laps. And then I noticed where he was um, slower than me. And uh, I, I jumped out of gravity cavity, like bombing it, like, cause he would check up just a hair coming out. I noticed every lap and I, I, I noticed that like, I need to really hit this pin if I want to make up time on that. So I would jump out pretty far. Well, I scrubbed out, like pinned, landed a flat, but I was right, I mean, right on him. And I'm like, this is, this is it now or never. I need to just shove it in. And he, he didn't go wide, but he went in the middle line and I cut it pretty tight, but used the clutch like pretty smart and like made sure I had traction and got a good drive. And we ended up being side by side, jumping down into the, the bull turn. And I had a pretty... I liked the line I took where I went wide right there and he went inside. I went wide. And then, I mean, it just, it all fell like, like perfect, dude. It just made sense to where it happened. And then, uh, yeah, at that point there was never a thought about he's going to pass me back. It was, I need to check out now. Like I need to secure the spot. And then Tim had that on the board, the next lap, like podium, no question mark. Like, it was podium and then uh yeah dude it was like here's the white flag here's the checkered flag and yeah it was the moment still to this day best day of my life by far and i was screaming i mean i couldn't handle myself like it was it, it was kind of a feeling of like not that people wanted me to not podium or not that people wanted me to to be an average rider or not, nothing like that. Nobody comes at me that way, but there was a few guys that I won't mention, but told me that I'm, you know, I'm not crazy, but basically you're crazy for thinking you're going to podium and pro, you know, there's just no way. And I was so fired up thinking about those people and what was going through my mind that like, I wanted to go up there and just, you know, say, ha, like, take that you know like you know it hard work pays off man it really does and like i don't i don't care what people say like at the end of the day just keep working but yeah the podium like i tackled tim and like it was just such a surreal feeling that i will never ever forget yeah i uh it's it's crazy because you're up there and i can't imagine the feeling you're standing with you know with joel and chad and then you and it's like like literally that day, as I'm seeing you up there, you know, it like reminded me of like when you're playing a video game and like your created character is standing like next to like, two <laughs> legs, you know what I mean? It's just, it's yeah. unreal. So, and you could see yourself getting more confident and more confident because at the races after that, like you qualified really good at Loretta's, right? Like second or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like that. Joel and I were fighting for like P1. Yeah. And, and I remember, Joel, I mean, Joel talked about this on the show even. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I told you about the goals I had where I wanted a podium and pro. I wanted to win and I wanted a yeah. qualifier. Yeah. I wanted a qualifier so freaking bad that I was almost willing to, to crash and do whatever it takes to get a, a fastest qualifier just for that goal. And yeah. like I hit one lap where I remember pulling in, to Tim and I'm like no one's beating it I don't even care Chad won't Joel won't Thomas won't no one is beating that lap and 
Yeah, I mean, freaking Joel beat it. But <laughs> at that point, dude, I, I really didn't care. Like, we were fighting. I mean, he it's whatever, but I remember just trying it. I gave it 100% to get a fastest qualifier, and I fell short. But it was cool to see that, especially with the way the points were. Like, this kid should not be qualifying second. It's a Joel and Chad fight. Like, this kid doesn't belong up here. It's funny, you know, even when you talk about the people that said you couldn't, you know, maybe they didn't expect you to do it or, you know, to lower your expectations or whatever. Because, like, honestly, I mean, again, like, you'd have to go back 10 years to see somebody that did it. But, right. like, the reason why, and the reason why I wanted to even have you on the show is because, like, you're just cut from a different cloth. You just are. And you always have been. Like, your mindset and your headstrong nature and you're like, you're never going to tell me differently attitude is your strongest quality, I think. Yeah. Well, because, because like you will, like you said, but like I was like literally just going to say, it was on the tip of my tongue even before you had planted this, you know, seed. It's in my notes. Like you're willing to die to win. Like, you yeah. just well, it, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, like, you know when you have a passion for something that – so, like, the, the, the night of the Pro-Am Championship when I was pacing at 3.30 in the morning, I had chills from, like, the back of my neck to the bottom of my ankles, which I've never – I would have chills. Everyone knows what, like, chills feels like when, you, when you're so passionate about something that it just kills you. But it was all the way to my ankle, man, like – this is just stuff that I can't make up. I mean, that's how much I don't even know why it's engraved into me like this, but racing in general and like just ATV racing, actually, it's not even racing. Like I, a lot of people say stuff about different racing, but ATVs for some odd reason in racing is just, I want to, I want to just be the kid that man, I, there's a lot of stuff I want, you know, there's crazy stuff, but, but some of it is, I mean, for a lot of years now, like it's your whole being like, it's yeah. every single thing you do, like eat, sleep and breathe all day, every day, all year long. Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, it's, I, I wish, you know, like people, my brother is a really good uh, person that you could ask about, but when we were, really young 13 14 i kid you not we probably watched you know like two to three hours of film i'm not kidding you about every single night of the week and it was just you know dirt bikes and quads but motocross alone and my brother is is one kid that i will actually say you know i've met i've met tons of people and families racing obviously but and i know how people are and i just i, I can see people's mental side and just stuff like that but my brother is somebody that that is is actually like like someone I can relate to in that sense of the feeling that I mean you eat sleep and breathe it like I nothing nothing makes me more excited than seeing rip it up films drop a new video and I get to go watch it and people get bored or whatever and no like I don't get bored doing anything I don't get bored if it involves racing I will do it 24 seven, three, six, five. There's no burnout with me in this sport for some reason. I like, I would love to see someone or like something try to burn me out of the sport because 
it's I will tell you right now, it's not going to happen. Right. It's not. No, I, I, I agree. And I love the, I love how passionate you are and how the, you know, the way that you show it. And um, I mean, that's a lot of us, you know, but you, it's, it's like with you, there's just, there's obviously no questioning, you know, this is this fire that burns inside of you for this, for this sport. And, you know, before we move on too far, I want to, I want to ask because um, you had mentioned Joel in this past season, you know, you worked, you know, right alongside him. I think you guys, you know, rode in the off weeks or whatever in the off season together. And um, you even lived with his family there for a little while and stuff. So talk about what it was like to, I guess, get so close with like literally your idol. Like how cool was that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like I said, I was a huge diehard Joel fan. Yeah. But when I, when I first started to hang out with him and, and uh, when I met him for the first time and just everything to me hit me hard and, and was like um, just crazy moments. But yeah, like when I look back now and like I'm sitting in his, in his house right on his, like right at his kitchen table and, you know, he walks in the door and, and Carly's sitting there and like the, where I'm sitting right now is just ridiculous that I'm in the same house as Joel and Carly. And, you know, they're kind enough to allow me to stay here. And like, like why me? You know, I always think why, why are they letting me and why, why not somebody else? Like, why is, why is it that this kid's here? And like, how is it so, how am I so lucky that this guy I looked up to all my life is allowing me to, to do this? Like, it's, it's just feelings, dude. I wish, I wish so many people could feel it because I don't want anything else in life, dude. My life at this child, you know, from now to 20 or 19 years old, like I don't want anything more, dude. My life is good. Like I, I'm so freaking thankful for what has happened to me and where I currently am that like, I can never say it enough. I really cannot say it enough. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. You know, you wish you could take that feeling and bottle it up and like sell it because that's the ultimate drug, you know, it's better than any, than any other, you know, something that you could put in your body anywhere else. And um, when you give your life to something like that, as you have, you know um, you know, we all want to see you succeed too. So it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty special. So I got to ask you coming off of a rookie campaign that I know you wanted more because that's your nature, but for most people like, that would have been, that would have been really good. Um, a really good season. I mean, you got that podium, you're, you know, fighting at the end of the year for top qualifier, like you wanted to. So if you were to give any advice to an incoming pro rookie, what would Mm -hmm. it be? I would say, uh, I mean, don't, don't lose any, any sort of confidence, whether you finish third or whether you finish 12th like it does not matter put that race behind you and you can go out to the the next race and I don't care what you qualify it doesn't matter like the the mental side of it is so huge with you know I I feel like any rookie that's going to come into the class they obviously are there for a reason they can go ride really well like they're a pro so it's not the riding most of the time it's you're losing the fight before you even start with with who you're lining up against and you can't look at anybody different. You have to really 
focus on on your your mental side yeah i think you hit the nail on your head but as somebody who is such a fan of the sport and always has been mm-hmm. how do you fight that when all those guys are guys you always looked up to like they're your heroes so how do you not look at you know the jeffries thomases chads joel and how do you look how do you like how do you look at yourself on their level playing field the right. very first year you're racing against them right so and this is kind of funny but uh like for me what really helped me was um finding like weaknesses with with them so so and i'm not you know everyone has weaknesses but i was really big with making sure i knew their weaknesses like individually so that would would put into my mind like you know oh well i don't have to worry about this because of this or you can't overthink it but you can't think that they're just you know they're like aliens from a different country yeah they could be your idols growing up but everyone is the same as far as you know strengths and weaknesses so like what was big for me was if i lined up next to to somebody i i i don't think about their strengths at all i think about their weaknesses what are what are they weak at and then you think about what are you strong at like don't ever have a, a weak um a weak thought about you know like oh you're you're not going to be fast enough to beat this guy no man don't think like that like they might be faster than you, but you, you can't think like that whatsoever. You got to really focus on, on yourself, your strengths, nothing about any, any idol and stuff, which is hard to do. Like, I mean, easier said than done, but, um, I've, I've learned that like a lot this past year, it was huge for me. was finding weaknesses with people. Well, I think too, you're, you know, you've talked about it, but your mindset is so important that we can all recall seeing racers and athletes and stuff that just weren't going to be denied. Right. Like didn't Mm -hmm. matter if didn't matter how fast, you know, if they were the best or they were the fastest or whatever in whatever sport, but there's just certain people that were not going to be denied. And I think that you kind of like fit into that mold, you know, that, I mean, there was like, your will was just so strong. Um, you know, I think that, I think that, you know, that's kind of like your secret weapon. And then the other aspect of that, you know, you're such a hard worker and you talk about, you know, you're off the bike training and everything else. And there's a mental side to that too, because you've known you've put in the work. You even talked about like, you know, nobody's working harder than you. So mm-hmm. I mean, there's a mental side to that too, knowing like talking yourself into, I mean, physically you're not getting tired, but mentally you're like, I'm not going to get tired. I did all this work. Like I'm ready to rip. And and that's something literally I think so many people overlook with like, okay, training is, is there's a reason like I get so fired up about it because it's so important with lining up with confidence. Like what, you know, yourself when, before you even show up to the track, what you've done. So nothing can, you know, nothing can change that. And like there, there's no better mindset than when you're out on the roads, like on a road bike or, or out in the woods running or just whatever you're doing training, you're so in a, in a zone. It's the same zone I like to think of with racing. When you're on the track, you're in a zone. Well, you can do that in training, like get in that zone, think about, you know, what you want to do, just huge goals you want to just, there's so many things with mm-hmm. off the bike training. Like I would never never would have thought 
coming from eating pop tarts and like not being a big guy with training to where I am now. And, and I highly recommend, I mean, for everybody, like they should be doing some sort of training. I don't care who it's with, what kind of program it is, whether you're lifting weights, doing cardio, it does not matter. Go walk. It really doesn't matter. Whatever is going to get you in that zone and make, make you feel better when you show up in staging, man. Absolutely. Um, kind of, so going off that, we talked about a couple other racers too, but so if you, and throughout any of your career, and we talked about the scrappiness, the headstrongness, whatever, who is the toughest competitor in your mind that you've had to race against? Toughest competitor. And it so, doesn't have, and it doesn't have to be strictly on speed, you know, it could be because of anything yeah. else, you know? Well, I would say, so for speed growing, I'll say a couple. Okay. So, um, amateur days, speed growing up, Sky Volkmer, uh, like that kid beat me every single race. I looked up to that kid. He was really fast. Like, I mean, me and him were best friends, but I remember always, you know, like that guy, I wanted to beat that guy, even if we were best friends. And then, uh, like growing up, uh, the A classes, I mean, like Noah Mickelson, I hated that kid at the time. Like <laughs> we were friends, but I hated him. Like, okay. Because he was, he was winning. He was in the spotlight. He yep. was doing everything I wanted. And I think like we talked about it. It's kind of funny. Like he had the same feelings about me. Like we liked each other as friends, but we hated each other at the same time. And sure. yeah. And then uh, like right now, it, <laughs> Joel, dude, like uh, I'll be straight up. I, it's Joel. Like, I've been around the guy enough. I know him. Like, I'm I'm really close to to Joel, and uh, I mean he's a tough, tough at like he's a champion for a reason. He's a tough athlete. I train with him. I know. I just know what it takes. Like, I know. I just it's hard to explain, but Joel, like, being around him, being, um, like in moments where I would have been like a little frustrated, and and just to see how he is about it, and said, so it's like, yeah, he, he's a champ for a reason, man. And you can pick up things the right way. And then you can also learn from stuff like watching on the outside. I mean, it's not, it's not like I just think everything he does is perfect. Like there's things where I would do differently and like, that's big too. I mean, um, like you just get to see both sides. It's not just a, a heavy side of, I want to do everything that he does. I want to take, you know, the best out of him and then try to, to mold myself into to somebody else. But yeah, I mean, he's turned into such a professional, you know, across right. the board, just in Absolutely. the way that he, that he handles all of his business. So, I mean, to have him kind of even, you know, at one point he was a, he was a role model to you or whatever, and maybe he still is, but now he's almost like a mentor, you know, I think that that's a pretty cool thing and a pretty, pretty good guy to, uh, be, be have kind of in your corner be looking up to so you've kind of talked about it already um you know we talked it's it's something that i've heard through some reliable sources that you know you have the goal i mean you said you wanted to one of your goals was to win races last year so i know mm-hmm. coming up in 2020 that's obviously a goal of yours is to win um a race win some races whatever so um in knowing you, that doesn't come as a surprise whatsoever. So if you can tell us um, what your goals for 2020 look like 
And uh, so what would you have to do or accomplish to make 2020 a success? Yeah. Um, so going into the, the year, I'd, like goals are set really high, but um, yeah, I, I don't believe in like any unrealistic thing. So um, yeah, win races, I, like that's actually a goal of mine. Um, and like this goal is really big to me is I want to be the fastest rider on the track. Like maybe I'm not the the smoothest or the consistent guy right now, but I want to be the fastest guy on the track. If you watch, if you watch back when Joel was, you know, a little younger in the sport, he was the fastest guy on the track. And I, I mean, you could argue every single race, but he, he didn't have that, the champion, like consistency, right? Well, I'm not expecting to go be a champion at 19, but I want to be the, the fastest guy on the track. There's no reason why I shouldn't be. And that's a, a goal of mine. It's like, I want to be where Joel was, you know, like hanging it out, man, just not a care in the world. You're just straight ripping, you know, it's you in the track. And like, I want to have that this year. And, uh, at the same time, like open, open eyes for really, like, I want to get support, man. Like, I know everybody chases support, but yeah, support has been on the lower end previously. And like that stuff affects me and yeah, like I just need to, I need to click it up a notch, dude. I really need to go out there and like not mess around. And this is, this is my whole life. So like, there's no excuses. This is my full-time job. This is, I came here early for a reason. I'm trying to do everything I can. Like I need, I need to go do it, man. There's no excuse whatsoever about my performances I need to go rip yeah I mean I love to I love to hear it I uh I know I mean whether it's 2020 or or sometime beyond I mean you're gonna you're going to win races like I just I know you got it in you so um so what's your program looking like is it looking like it's gonna be pretty similar to last year is that the plan yeah so um I think we're gonna yeah the same program with Tim Detling um on the wrenches and being, being the guy like show up and, and that's who I'm, I'm riding for and, and racing under. Um, and yeah, we have like a couple part switches, which is I'm excited for, like, I think it's going to help me and it's, you know, I felt like it had to be done, but, um, yeah, I got, um, a few, like just a few good things going on with like training program and stuff and okay. off the things are like, phenomenal and, and the, the best they've been and yeah like dude if there's a weakness in my program i'm trying to to not make that a weakness in in 2020 no oh, that's awesome so you mentioned um you mentioned just for a split second about support and stuff so i'm gonna go on a quick tangent here but yeah. each year there's more rumblings of allowing the hybrids in the pro class every single year there's more yeah. there's more mentions of it like I have a pretty strong opinion on this, but where do you fall on this topic? Well, and this is not, this is not because I'm on a Honda, but I mean, like if I was on a Yamaha, I mean, like I'm trying to be unbiased, like just, this is straight up opinion, but I'm yep. all for it, man. Like, Oh, you are. Okay. Uh, because okay. I, I really do feel like, you know, not, not that it's going to change much, but we need to try it. Like, well, I think, I think it would be cool to see a bunch of, of like nice, I mean, hybrids in the, in the pro class. Oh, it'd be sick. Yeah. Yeah. Sick. 
yeah, I'd like to get on a practice bike too with man, like that would be a dream come true would be uh like a, a hybrid practice bike because I mean maintenance and stuff and new technology is just sweet to me. Like I'm all for it, dude. I really am. So now talking about your program, like, like where would Timmy fall on this? Because I feel like it is a more, it is more expense. Like I get that the engine, like you can run it closer to stock. So maybe the engine lasts longer and there's less rebuild and there's less performance parts, but like you still have to get an engine. You still have to get the conversion kit. You know, I, I was told that if they were to do it, you know, I think even Casey said on the previous episode here, like he would like to see it with the production TRX chassis with, you know, the motorcycle engine. The right. only thing that scares me and the only thing I, the only reason why I brought this up is because you had made the comment about, you know, that support isn't, I mean, for, for most all, everybody other than a very, very, very few, the support isn't what they wish it was. So right. just the th- only thing about the hybrid is it scares me that it's going to price out the middle of the pro class, you know, right. guys that don't have unlimited budgets. It just scares me. Like, cause when I was a pro, if I had to race against guys on hybrids, I would have probably had to just pack it up because I wasn't going to yeah. be able to afford a bunch of hybrids. Right. And, well, and, and I wasn't, you know, and then nobody wants to race against uh, like on inferior equipment i guess yeah so like and just me being honest like the the there's one thing i disagree with what you just said was yeah i'm all i'm all uh, for it because i'm just trying to pick your brain here yeah i i don't like if it was too too if i didn't have support to do that right i would race a trx still because i i know that yeah there's new technology they're fast they're really good torque phenomenal bikes but i am not sold yet on the argument that you couldn't go out and win on a TRX because if you take, if you take a rider like Joel, you're to, I am not sold that Joel could not go win on a TRX against hybrids. I think that, yeah, the bike matters, but if you are that talented to go out there and win on a TRX, that alone, I mean, dude, that's night and day. You should be getting support. Like, yeah, but uh, that's just the way I feel. Like I would still race a TRX if I couldn't switch. See, and I'm and I'm and I'm not even I'm not disagreeing with you. Like that's yeah. right on pace with what I'm trying to say. Because why, when Joel is the defending champion, he just won it on a TRX. Right. Why would we change that? Especially mm-hmm. when Yamaha is still supporting the sport. They're supporting right. this this podcast because right. they care about ATV racing. So right. why would we stack the deck against Yamaha when they're still coming out with a good production machine, still supporting the sport? My argument in, in behind closed doors was maybe that's a conversation that you can have after Yamaha is gone. But as long right. as Yamaha is trying to support this sport, don't push them out the door by saying, let's race hybrids. Right. Just my argument. I mean, I, yeah. and again, yeah. and I know that you're, that you're in the, you're racing at a very top level, but on a, on a relatively moderate budget or whatever the word you want to use is. And that's why I value your opinion really highly on this topic. That's why I wanted to ask after after open the door. Yeah. I appreciate that. Like I, I definitely know what you're trying to say. I, and being kind of in the, in the middle of the pro too. And like, 
I say that rule was, was switched this year, which it's not. But, yeah, like, it would definitely, you know, it would suck because I would not probably be able to switch. Right. But uh, to me, like I said, I don't, I don't think – I would still race a TRX and have just as much fun and still – it wouldn't yeah. be a deal breaker for you. And I, and I totally get what you're saying with the Yamaha supporting the sport because, dude, like, that means the world to me that they are. And and by all means, I don't want to push anybody away that's supporting the sport. I just yeah. – it was kind of just the thing, like, man, I, I don't know. Maybe it could be good. Like, But I, I also disagreed with the rule of having to be – you know, like, dude, I want to see Suzuki's with hybrid motors in them. Like – I wasn't sold on the whole, why does it have to be a Honda and a Honda, Yamaha and a Yamaha? No, I want to see Can-Ams with a sure. CRF. Dude, I would ride a Can-Am. Like, let's bring back Can-Am, Suzuki setups, Cowie setups. Like, Well, see, I think, I think why Casey had made that comment was that maybe guys that had like a Honda affiliation or a Yamaha affiliation – say the KTM is better. It's a better engine. It's capable of going faster. I think yeah. that he was then afraid that, um, you know, if you let like the, like the guys with that support that had to run Honda or had to run Yamaha were going to be tied to that. And then maybe like, uh, he, I think he even said it, if Bryce Ford has a KTM engine, because he's got no factory affiliation, maybe he has some kind of advantage. The, the only other thing, my only other bugaboo on if we're going to go hybrid racing is a year ago at this time, we were racing, you know, we were trying to promote this stock production class and show right. people that you don't need to spend, you know, all this money to go really fast. Cause we watched all summer long, those guys on those Yamahas, going crazy fast on stock machines. So yeah. last year you were setting a precedent of, you know, you don't need to spend a ton of money to go fast. You can go have fun on any machine and not have to spend a ton of money. Now it's like this year we're going the exact opposite if they were to go hybrid racing, which I know they're not, but if they do in the future, just seems yeah. like we're kind of, we're kind of doing a 180 on this, uh, on this precedent that we set. So that's as far as we got to go with that. I was just curious on, uh, uh, yeah no hey good points man like the stock class dude one of my favorite classes i definitely yeah. don't want that to go away like i wish dude do you know how cool it would be if that was a full gate like i wish there was a full gate of stock yamahas or i don't care about the yamaha part but just stock bikes dude yeah let's line the whole entire i don't let's do freaking qualifying bro like well it's like spec racing like they do it right. in carts and other things where right. everybody's in the exact same machine and I think yeah. that's cool because like literally the best rider or best driver, whatever wins. Cause they're on a stock machine. Yep. I think yep. that's and cool. Also, I mean, real quick, the stock Yamaha, like, and this is unbiased opinion. Like this is the truth. Yeah. I seriously think you could throw a race engine in a stock Yamaha stock, a arm stock, swing arm, stock axle. Even I'm not even kidding you. Even stock tires, stock shocks. Yeah. And the only thing you might have to switch is handlebars. I don't have a stabilizer on mine or nothing. Okay. And I seriously think you could go top five and, and qualifying in pro. And I would really think like, you know, if you're in that, in that zone, dude, go yeah. out there and race. And like, I would not be shocked if someone went out there and, and killed it in the pro class. Like 
That's that's no lie. See, I forgot. I forgot when I even started this conversation. I forgot you even had a Yamaha. Yeah. But I did. I do remember seeing that video. You posted at mm-hmm. least a video or two of of you riding it. And yeah, yeah I, I agree 100%, but the proof was in the pudding last summer when we watched these guys do it all summer long. They're ripping on these things. So um, yeah. especially when they, you know, they come with a slipper clutch and they come with good tires and they come with good suspension and, and A-arms and stuff. So, yeah, yep. I mean, it's unreal. So back on track here, um, you're in Florida training right now. Like we already covered that. So what's the game plan over the next, you know, three months or whatever until Daytona, do you just slowly ramp up your, your training or what's the, what's the plan with that? Yeah. So, um, like, yes, it progressively gets, um, a little bit more like, so with the riding, I will be riding more and more as the season gets closer just for saving equipment purposes. But yeah, like, um, the reason I got a head start was because it's, it's kind of in detail with my training stuff, but it takes a lot of time and you need to be able to progress. And like, yeah, you just, you, you got to start. Like I could have done it at home, but man, it's, it's like I said, if it's my full-time job, there's no reason why I can't be down here, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going to get, going to get really well in the next two months. So it'll be sweet, man. Good, good. Yeah. We, uh, we like to hear it. It's a, it's an exciting time. It's getting, it's getting close. So before we let you go, last question, um, you know, hopefully, obviously you're still around a decade from now, you know, it's 2020 now and 2030, hopefully you're still around the sport around ATV racing, but mm-hmm. you know, when all is said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? Yeah. Um, really just the kid that never gives up. Like it doesn't matter. I, I don't believe in talent and that's kind of crazy, but I really, like hard work pays off and uh, you don't have to be fast, you know, at the beginning to, to make it a champion. In my opinion, I think it's kind of like the, the Rocky movies, how, you know, you work hard and and like success comes, but I just can't, I want to be remembered as that. I was never the top kid. I was never that phenomenal Adam Cincerillo of the dirt bike world of like, you're just killing every class you race. No, I, I was never that. Like, I was getting beat by kids that are in, you know, a class currently today. They would lap me back in the day. And the only thing that changed wasn't my, that I was talented. I was not talented. It was just hard work, like determination, man. Like I wanted to to do it more than they did. And it, I want to be remembered as like, yeah, dude, talent, talent's honestly BS to me, dude. It really is. I think hard work, you know, hard work pays off, dude. Well, just as, uh, just as you talked about kind of, we talked about things coming full circle. Um, you know, you were a kid that obsessed over videos and watching these guys on ATVs, these pros looking up to them and, you know, now you're one of those guys. So that's gotta be a, a pretty, uh, special feeling. And, um, you know, we live in this world where, Every, you know, we're always got a, the next goal, you know, the next goal. And I know we got to, we got to function that way. So you don't get complacent, but every once in a while, I think it's okay to uh, kind of look at the path that you've traveled and, you know, look at how far you've come and where you are today. And um, it's okay to pat yourself on the back once in a while, because uh, you etched out uh, uh, probably honestly with your humble beginnings and whatnot against all odds, 
you got to where you are today. And I think uh, the best is yet to come. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, you seriously don't know how much I appreciate that, man. Like I'm, I'm so thankful for uh, being, I mean, being on this podcast and talking to you and the experiences that I've had being with you and, and growing up like with you pretty much like you were, I mean, you were a guy that uh, I looked up to tremendously, like with a lot of reasons. I mean, even outside of racing, but yeah, dude, you were like a, like a dad to me. I mean, that's the way I look at it. Like I, I, there's no, I don't give myself any credit. It's the people I was around that kind of molded, molded what I wanted. And yeah, man. Yeah. Well, we, you've had so many great people in your corner. Uh, it's just, uh, we were just, uh, my family just ended up being some of them. And, uh, still to this day, I mean, I cheer for you unlike I cheer for anybody else. So, uh, love to see all the success. I think that there's a ton of, you know, a ton of success ahead. Um, I'm so grateful for, uh, you know, your time here tonight, giving up, giving us your time on the podcast. Like I said, you had a great story to tell and, uh, you know, coming off two big years of success and of growth, um, each year, it seems like you've just stepped up your game so much more. I can't wait to see what you got in store for 2020. And, uh, again, thanks for joining us. Best of luck next season. Stay safe, stay healthy and come back sometime soon. Hey, thank you very much, man. Seriously. Honestly, honestly, pal, you're always welcome. So, uh, why don't you, why don't you go get another podium, go get a win there at the beginning of the season and we'll have you back on the show. Hey man, sounds, sounds, sounds better than good. I don't know about you guys, but this is one of my favorite interviews yet. I want to thank Brandon for his time, of course. And also as always, thanks to my producer and brother Dallas for sitting here next to me and pushing all the buttons for the podcast. I couldn't do it without you D thanks to our sponsors. CSD Tires, Blue Crew, thanks to Yamaha, Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, 4Works Carbon, DP Brakes, Blenders Eyewear, Mountaineer Brand, and Oats Overnight. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us via Patreon if it suits you. Like our friend Justin Burke, who graciously showed his support of our podcast, simply visit our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, and click the Support on Patreon button. This contribution will help prompt continued growth and improvements of the show. Perks will be available to those who contribute, and we greatly appreciate it. And remember, you can always call us with your questions, concerns, suggested topics, and more. This is your chance to be a part of the show by calling our voicemail line at any time. And that number is 920-569-3519. That's 920-569-3519. Give us a call today and we look forward to hearing from you. Upcoming episodes include featured guests Doug Gust, John Natale, Cody Gibson, Gary Denton, and more. Yes, I just said those names. They're upcoming on the show, so needless to say, you won't want to miss all of this upcoming content. The best way to ensure you won't miss a thing is to subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional behind-the-scenes content. From the bottom of my heart, I can't thank you guys enough for listening, and I hope you enjoyed another episode of our show. You guys are absolutely amazing, and without you, none of this would be possible.
keep that support coming. And I love the screenshots showing that you're listening. If you send those in, I'll keep sharing them. I love that. And it's a great way for um, you guys and us both to just continue our growth of the show and try to expose more people to what we're doing here. So I greatly appreciate it. And again, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, tell your friends, share our posts. It all helps. Um, we're, we're all just here for the betterment of ATV motocross. And uh, again, everything that you guys do to help us grow means the world to me. So with that, thanks for listening and happy new year. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. And until next time, thanks for joining us in digging deep with the stars of ATV motocross. 